Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Hi, Anita. Hi, Mel. Welcome to this episode of Mel and Anita. Do a widow-sode. About What? We're going to talk about the holidays because the holidays are very close to upon us. So it's time to prepare. It is time to prepare. It is time to gird your loins. I don't know if they can be girded quite enough. What does, also, that, even what does that even mean? Does gird mean you're like tensing up? Feel, ew, just uh, Let's not talk I feel about like that. It's like pulling up your pants. And so I don't think you should pull them up too high. Oh, like Steve Urkel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wedgie CD. Okay. Now that we've discussed what gird means, how doth we gird our loins for the holidays? Well, first, let's talk about common things that happen to us widows and other grievers when the holidays approach. Fear, anxiety, terror, wanting to run away. Yeah. Also, yeah. excitement, because holidays are fun, or they're supposed to be fun. But yeah. when somebody that's an integral part of your family is gone kind of puts a damper on things sometimes so it's a different scenario and even you might feel guilty for being excited or you might feel like you shouldn't feel those feelings because your person is gone so it's like this big of of weirdness this will be the third holiday season without jason so third thanksgiving third christmas and it definitely has changed in those three years 
um, the first year, I felt like it almost wasn't real. You know, it just felt like it was a pretend holiday. And I was really, really, really not looking forward to the feelings I was going to have, if that makes any sense. I remember talking to you before your first round of holidays because Jason died in January. So you had mm-hmm. most of the year to get right. to the holiday season. Scott died in November. And so I hit my first holidays, bam, 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 like right, right after. after. Yeah. Which uh, to be fair, it was a big blur for me too. And I just remember being totally overwhelmed and traumatized and sad. But at the same time, I had this resolve to to have a fun time at the holidays and to show up. I think I was kind of riding some extra adrenaline from the funeral mm-hmm. and getting, I was still kind of in the mode of, well, I'm going to show up to help other people. Yeah. That very, very quickly actually left on Christmas <laughs> in, in the middle of the day. I had a, a crazy trigger and a meltdown and then I didn't get out of bed for two weeks. But yeah. I remember thinking, okay, well, that was my experience with the holidays right after Scott died. Surely that's going to be the same for Anita. So it was interesting because I remember hearing back from you on some of the holidays and you were not as negative as I was about them. No. And I think part of that was that because we have kids and they're young kids, that they were so excited and they were so into the holiday and the gifts that I just kind of got swept up in that. Looking back on it, though, I still feel like it wasn't even real. It just was like a strange experience. But but um, Christmas was not painful the day of, but the anticipation of Christmas was rough. And I think we say this over and over and over again, how that's so common, that the lead up, you have so many emotions and then you get to the day and you're like, oh, okay. I can do this. Or, you know, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I agree. It's true. We do deal with a lot of anticipatory feelings on the lead up to the holidays. And I imagine that depending on the situation or the circumstance, such as widowed mom, non-kid widow. Is that what you call it? A kidless widow? Kidless widow. That's what (laughs) I Yeah, I mean, it still still works. A non-kid widow. Maybe an empty nester different circumstances of widows that the experience will run the spectrum of what that looks like. I know for me, the isolation is real because as a lot of us know, the Santa Claus thing, or I don't know, what's this elf on the shelf thing people do? Those little traditions where- Ain't nobody got time for that. Where everyone says they're annoying, but then they're all for the kids. Those things are things that we don't have as- kidless widows unless they're nieces and nephews but sometimes that can be even painful as well because some people may have been looking forward to starting a family with their person who is now deceased and so it kind of adds an extra insult to injury so I know for me like I said the first holiday season I was participating but after that it kind of became too hard and I realized that oh I have the option to participate in holidays or not And however long I decide to do that is up to me. And a lot of times we run the risk of getting some flack from family that maybe want us to be there or they don't understand or they take it personally like they're not important enough for us to show up. And really that's not the case. Really we're just trying to survive and make it through the day. Yeah. And it's interesting like you're saying the different 
how there's different scenarios. There's also different scenarios as far as what holidays were important to your family. You know, that um, Jason liked Thanksgiving more than Christmas and Thanksgiving was harder for me than Christmas was because the kids aren't as excited about Christmas. And so there's the, you know, what was important to your spouse? We just got done with Halloween and we had a lot of people talk about how Halloween was their spouse's favorite or their partner's favorite. And so those are really hard. So there's also differences in how we celebrated them. Were they a big event? Were they just our close family? Do we have traditions? Things like that are going to be different for every, every person. And I know that a lot of people question as they're coming up to their first holiday season, whether they keep their traditions or whether they try something new. So what do you think about that? Ooh, I think it could go either way. On one hand, keeping the traditions that you shared with your person helps to keep them alive and to keep the memories going. And starting new memories also helps the griever and those of us that are still here to start something new. So I know a lot of people have done both. Some people choose to only do the old things and some people only choose to do the new things. So I think that would depend on the person. But either way, whatever the motivation is behind it could work for you. Yeah, and it might not work the same as it did the time before. So you might find, and you can always change your mind. I mean, if you you did your same thing this year and then next year you want to change it up, You can. There's no holiday police. I mean, maybe mother-in-laws. Are mother-in-laws holiday police? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. They come and tell you that you're doing it wrong. You (laughs) you get to choose what your holiday is going to look like. Whether it's, you know, some people run away for the holidays. They're like, we're not even going to do the standard thing. We're going to go rent an Airbnb on the beach and just be together as our own little family. We're not going to do all of the things that we've normally done. And some people want to stay with what's comfortable and what they have known and either way is the right way yeah or one of our friends of the podcast she is possibly renting an airbnb in a remote place in her country that has no wi-fi (sighs) i don't know why you would do that (laughs) (laughs) and she doesn't have kids so yeah you could do something unconventional i know like for thanksgiving even even during non-times of death I don't really love Thanksgiving food, and I always wondered why we couldn't what? just have pizza. Just <laughs> you can. Pizza. No, not in my family. It uh, was like, you eat the Thanksgiving dinner. Here's the turkey and the stuffing. Well, turkey's gross, but I like the mashed potatoes. Yeah, and the rolls. So the rolls. Maybe, maybe you, if you're looking for a way to keep the holiday enough that it's still in your life but to change it enough that it's working for you you can just change little aspects of it like okay i'm going to show up for thanksgiving i'm going to give myself one hour to be around everybody and then i'm leaving and i'm going to order pizza or play video games or take benzos and go to sleep for the rest of the day <laughs> whatever works for you you're grieving i think it's also important to communicate with people who you will be spending time with. Um, I just think it's interesting how people, grief civilians, people on the outside don't realize how hard the holidays can be. So if we can just communicate with them and say, hey, I'm anticipating this is going to be a really hard day and it might not go as it's been planned. We might have to leave. We might be able to stay, you know, just so that 
I feel like that almost manages our own anxiety a little bit to let them in on what you're thinking. And so you don't feel like you have to just take care of it all in your own head there. You've got some allies. And then if you do have to leave, you don't have to explain it right then. You've already kind of prefaced it and said, this might happen. And I'm just going to go with the flow. I really like that because I'm one where I feel if I don't show up or if I do feel the need to leave the situation, I feel extreme guilt. Yeah. And I end up staying longer than I probably should for my sanity. And and it's this whole mental battle of, oh, I don't want them to think that I hate them, but I really need to go, but I feel stuck. So I like that idea of just being up front and maybe you have a safe, quote, safe person or two in the vicinity and you explain it to them and... Yeah, And then if you need to get out of there, get out of there. Or you might have a great time. You never know. And that's another thing is I think that a lot of times we as widows or as grievers, we feel guilty when we are having a good time. We stop ourselves in the middle of those happy thoughts and think, oh, I shouldn't be having these thoughts because my person isn't here with me. And it's ridiculous. Those thoughts are ridiculous, but they happen. And I think we've all experienced that where we kind of stop ourselves and be like, no, you shouldn't be having fun. You can have fun. It's okay. You are still alive. It doesn't make your person any less or more dead if you're enjoying yourself. (laughs) Very good point. I know. (laughs) Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) Anita, mic drop. The end. That's all you guys need to know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's another thing that we deal with is when we do start to live parts of life that resemble normalcy or even joy. I mean, and and we all go in and out of these feelings, especially extremely up and down when Mm -hmm. it's an early grief. and, And we tend to beat up on ourselves a lot. So it's normal if you feel fine for a little bit. It's also normal to feel guilty about feeling fine. And just remember, it's your brain telling you things. So here are some tips. Number one, remember that you are a human with a human brain and your brain has thoughts all the time. So your brain is going to be presented with multiple options and you get to choose what you think is true or what's not. A lot of times we feel like we are kind of slaves to whatever our thoughts are and that's not necessarily true. Number two... You have sustained the number one most stressful life event, according to the Holmes-Rahi Stress Index Scale. That's what it's called. I you said it it's out. so smart right then. I know. I have to do a paper on it for my sociology class. <laughs> so I learned. <laughs> Good job. So you have sustained the most stressful thing that people can go through. And as anybody that's widowed can tell you, so many things are added into that stress, like perhaps loss of house, loss of family, loss of feeling safe within existing family, in-law situations, all sorts of things. So give yourself a break. If you feel like you are not doing it right, stop yourself. Say, I have sustained the number one most stressful life event. It's okay that I'm not okay right now. I'm rocking what I've got. You can say that to yourself. Whether or not it's true, you might be just barely squeaking by, but that's rocking it for whatever your situation is. Yeah. And number three, you get to choose. The end. 
we just want to reach out to all the people watching and all of the people who are grieving and just give you a virtual hug as we approach the holiday season. It is not easy. And if it's your first one, extra hugs because they're rough and they, you know, you don't need to beat yourself up for feeling like it's rough. Of course it's rough. Your life has been turned upside down. So just do what feels right. Know that we got your back. Know that we love you. And we hope that your holidays turn out the best that they possibly can and that you get to spend some time with family and feel some happiness at some point in time. And if you don't accept that and know that you're fine and you're normal. It's true. And remember that regardless of spouse death, partner death or not, holidays and family are two of the hardest situations anyway. Yeah. You're not easy. So may the force be with you. May the ghost of Rudolph be with you to light your way. With his red nose. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you need extra support, please consider joining our Widow Wives Club on Facebook. It's a free supportive community on Facebook and we are there for you and that's the place that's safe to go when things are not going well and you just need a listening ear or two or you need to vent about how things are the worst or the best both things what are your experiences with the holidays comment below let us know what you're worried about let us know what you're excited about let us know if you have some new plans for your holidays or if you are sticking with some of your old traditions Is anybody eating figgy pudding? What is figgy pudding? David Kelly, Sarah Kennedy. Is it a thing? Is it good? Let us know. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We're two young widows heading into the holidays. Wishing you good luck. And that's all. And that's all. (laughs) We're all just trying to figure out widow. We do. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.